coming up. What an excellent day for pentopic encephalograms. With Polytone. folks, and welcome to Minute 57 of The Exorcist Minute, a show where we endeavor to examine, extrapolate, and excavate The Exorcist, minute by terrifying minute. My name is Lester Ryan Clark. And I'm Keenan Diaz. And we'll be your holy guides on this journey through what some have called the scariest movie of all time. Okay, so our minute begins with Dr. Tanny saying, and the arteriograms. And it ends with Chris saying, um... In what do, I I... Need, do I need to <laughs> say that clearer? <laughs> she says, um, but you know. Yeah, she says, um, yeah. She's very tired. <laughs> she's, she's extremely tired. Right. right? <laughs> um, yeah, I just said, um. um. Oh, we can't, we can't get away from it now. <laughs> but like, yeah, she says, um, in, in what I think is a really cool visual shot, right? Yep. And we'll, we'll get to that. Like, but for now, let's go back to the top of this minute, which is also a really cool shot. Um, again, with, with Dr. Tanny's magical, mystical, reflective glasses, right? We, we can no longer deny that this is a visual character trait for him, right? It's not a mistake. It's not a, like a, like a, a one-time visual trick. Every thumbnail of this character on the internet has his eyes obscured by those reflective glasses, right? Mm-hmm. And you can take that as many ways as you like. You can say that he's um, unable to see what's in front of him. You can say that uh, we and other characters are are unable to see into him. Um, I could I could even just it could even just be a pun because whenever we meet him, he's always reflecting on something, right? Mm-hmm. Like in that way, he's he's very different from Doctor Klein. Like Klein is upfront, right? If, if a little uh, cocky, right? Like he's <laughs> baldly honest. Oh, Lester. <laughs> I, I I, I had to say it. Um, where, whereas Tanny uh, reflects, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's reflective and maybe even deflective, right? When when Chris is talking about split personality, right? Mm-hmm. I, I really like these visuals that we got here. Right? So what is it? Dr. Tanny's magical reflective glasses. It's it's Andrew Lloyd Webber's and Dr. Tanny and the magical reflective glasses. Yes. <laughs> Based on the book by Roald Dahl. <laughs> We did an animation trivia night the other day at my school at UNLV Film, uh-huh. and the question was in this animated version of Joseph and the Amazing Color. Wait, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. There's an animated version. Yeah, oh, wait, I wasn't wait, even wait. I wasn't even aware of it. Yeah, are, are you talking about like King of Dreams? Is that the Joseph King of Dreams or something? Oh, obvi- you're you're obviously right. You're right, right. So it just <laughs> the, that that story is so has so become Andrew Lloyd Webber's story <laughs> for me that even when they just ad- adapting the Bible, I have to say it as. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, right. Of course. No, it's just Joseph and the Coat of Many Colors, right? Right, yes. Right. Yes. But they said um, the trivia question that the students had made for the club was how many how many brothers does Joseph have? Oh. <laughs> and it, it was like four, three, uh, 11, or nine. And the, question, the answer is 11, right? Because it's right. 12, 12 tribes. And right. I'm just always disappointed in my, my students' lack of uh, knowledge of the Bible, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's like, yeah, it's the 12 tribes of Israel. It's right. Like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't want to lecture them on <laughs> in the middle of their nice little Is trip that one of the moments where you look, it's like, oh, Christ, oh, why don't you? Christ, why don't you know how many tribes of Israel they were? <laughs> I'm an atheist and I even know. Right. I'm going to get out of, yeah, the education is done with, I'm done with it. <laughs> no more of this. <laughs> now get into your angiogram machines. <laughs> No polytomes for you this time. Right. But Dr. Tanny is such a soft-spoken person, so his yeah. Andrew Lloyd Webber musical would be <laughs> quite something. <laughs> My magical refractive glasses, they 
<laughs> they help me see my dreams. <laughs> this whole time I thought I was being reflective, but I was actually deflecting everybody. Yeah, it's the one the one Broadway musical where where um the backup singers are more important than the, than the main character. <laughs> he was deflecting. He was deflecting. <laughs> was his respecting. And then everybody just has to shh, 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 shh. because because then then when he sings he he just he, he just talks like this. Right. <laughs> He doesn't even like come downstage or anything. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> he's constantly not finding his light. You know? Right, right. <laughs> we spot. hired Doctor Tanny because he's the actual Doctor Tanny. <laughs> like, like we sh- we probably should have got an actor to play Doctor Tanny. Probably, but this has more realism. Yeah, but the spot <laughs> the spotlight operator is constantly trying to find Doctor Tanny. <laughs> you never quite do. You just hear some someone in some corner just going, "I remember a day." <laughs> and the spotlight's just frantically going back and forth. <laughs> he's never in the same place twice. And it only finds him when he's finished talking. <laughs> right. And then somebody else is like, but doctor. And then they. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <clears throat> okay. We need this. And you know what? You know what they'll do? They'll make a horrible CG remake. <laughs> With Dr. Tanny's superimposed face. Right. Mm-hmm. On a cat. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cats will be out. But, you know, I, uh, by the time they make that, um, people have seen Andrew Lloyd Webber's or Tom Hooper's cat so much. They're like, oh, no one no one likes cats anymore. <laughs> We're going to have to find the next. <laughs> so everyone's going to be on to um, maybe not a groundhog because groundhogs actually make noises. So maybe right. like a like a, like a turtle. <laughs> turtle mm-hmm. if you replace cats and they just sort of sit there. Oh, Dr. Tanny would be a perfect turtle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, like they're they're turning up the volume on their phones. They're just trying. <laughs> like what? Right. It's it's just oh god. Okay. Anyway. <sighs> all right. All right. <clears throat> but yes. So like these visuals are great. I love right. these visuals. Um. But in the oh, Exorcist, you mean? In the Exorcist, right? <laughs> right let's get back to that. Yeah, yeah we're, not, we're not talking about like what, what this even would be future called? musicals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we, we before we even make before we even write the play we're already thinking about the movie adaptation that's yes out. that's our yeah. problem and we're already hating it like, <laughs> <laughs> all right so why don't we talk about we're, we're talking to each other like keenan we never should have like allowed this to happen we never should have allowed <laughs> ourselves to 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 be to to, to to be seduced by all the green <laughs> and all the dollar signs Dr. Tanny and his magical, wonderful reflective glasses should have stayed on Broadway, and that's that. That's that. Yeah, if if that, right? Yeah, you could see why it would do really well on like um, at high schools because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very it's very simple stage design. <laughs> it's mostly, I guess, as we were describing, it's mostly just a black stage with a single <laughs> a single spot. <laughs> that's how we were describing it, right? That's how you were seeing it. Yes. Oh. <laughs> They ruined cheap. it in the movie by doing the CGI doctor's office. <laughs> right, we don't need to see any of that stuff. It's yeah. a theater of the mind. We're, look, we're looking at Dr. Tenney's soul, okay? <laughs> I don't want to see his stethoscope. <laughs> right, right. The actor can act it. Mm-hmm. Well, anyways, let, why don't we okay. talk instead about um, William Friedkin and uh, William Peter, Peter Blatty's uh, The Exorcist. Ooh, The <laughs> Exorcist, okay, yeah. 
I hear I, it's I've scary. heard about that movie. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Okay. So. <laughs> This minute right here, guys, minute 57, which which starts at actually at like 56 colon zero zero, um, shows us a good deal more of Tanny's eyes than I think we've seen. Even when he goes to see Reagan like a couple minutes before this, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and there's no reflection on his glasses, but he's far away. And I even remember like I made a remark about like how Tanny is like the only person in the world who can squint with his eyes wide open at mm-hmm. the same time, right? So his eyes are always hidden from us until they're not. And in this shot, we see that they're this soft I'm almost compelled to say compassionate, Mm -hmm. like blue-gray color. And so, yes, this is a choice. Why are we seeing Tanny's eyes now when they have been heretofore hidden from us, right? Right. Is this actual sincerity, actual compassion from uh, uh, – for Chris and Reagan's situation? Is this – professional bedside manner. Like I, I might be overanalyzing myself here, but are we seeing another difference in Klein and Tanny where like Tanny actually knows how to talk to people, right? He's read that, you know, how to win friends and influence people thing, <laughs> right. right? Um, Like he, he can, he can turn on the charm, right? Unleash those, you know, those beautiful, you know, blue eyes. And, and, uh, you're falling for Dr. Tanny. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the, the camera has been slowly moving me towards him. I don't, I don't know what to do here. Dr. Tanny, buy me dinner first. But like, like where Klein might be a little bit more blunt, right? He's a little uh-huh. bit more um, <laughs> bald faced, right? Oh, sorry. Um, <clears throat> but I, like, I want to point out that that's, the second time in my notes that I've made a bald joke about Klein. <laughs> and we are maybe one second into this minute. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, Klein's like, where's my where's my musical where I get to be a, a race car driver and I win Le Mans 66 and just drive around France and <laughs> no, 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 take no. it home for the Americans? Where's no. that? <laughs> he, he's, he is a character in, in Dr. Tanny's musical. <laughs> And his theme is just the sound of slapping on bare skin. Oh, it's just God. like, <laughs> jeez. It's like so he, he's like Peter and the Wolf, and yes, that's his yes. instrument. <laughs> <laughs> just slapping on his head. Um, but no, like okay. So so what I'm trying to get at is that I think this is this might be another difference between Tanny and Klein is mm-hmm. in that like Tanny. Um, I don't know, just like maybe knows how to handle people more. And it's, it, it's gotta be those, the, the turning on and the turning off of those, you know, those, those beautiful blue eyes, right? <laughs> well, one thing that I should point out is that mm-hmm. Dr. Tanny has been consulted or brought in to consult on this by Dr. Klein mm-hmm. and what he thought was going to happen. He's going to come over to the McNeil house and Reagan would be having some kind of a seizure or a fit. And he would be, he would be there to talk to Chris about this. Right. But that's not what's happened is he gets to that house. Right. Yeah. And, and Reagan is possessed by a demon and yeah. <laughs> smacks Klein across the face. Right mm-hmm, and all that, mm-hmm. and then he sh- she shows her, you know, she flashes everybody. I mean, yes. terrible thing. So he he hasn't really, you know, he might have been brought in to do the bedside manner talking smoozing thing, and he just he hasn't had a time to do that because, right. you know, this this house is cuckoo bananas, mm-hmm. cuckoo banana pants. Mm. <laughs> Uh, but okay, so let's get to what he's actually saying here, right? It, it's it's spliced between these two minutes, right? What he actually says is. What we missed in the EEG and the arteriograms multiple mm-hmm. um, could conceivably turn up there, right? And then he turns to Klein as he finishes that line. And just that added 
conceivably, like that's honest at least, right? Like even if right. it's not very hopeful, like like he again, he's reflecting, he's wondering what this could be, right? He doesn't say it will turn up. Right. This is simple. This is a very simple case. He doesn't say that. No. Um, and then we get this really cool shot. God, this this minute is filled with cool shots. Like actually, I was looking ahead and we got like a string of really cool shots that tell mm-hmm. us a lot in a single frame, but also are just like beautiful to look at. Right. Right. So now this one, we have Chris in the foreground. We are closest to Chris and she is almost completely in the dark. We see her silhouette with just like the barest hint of light and texture within the shape of her. Right. Right. She's kind of between us and the window. Yes. That's lighting Mm -hmm. Dr. Tanny and making him look fully formed, three-dimensional, not silhouetted. But but Mm -hmm. we have – she's she's almost completely silhouetted, right? We sort of have this wraparound light. Yes, yes. So we can say that she is in the dark about what's mm-hmm. going on, but we can also say that um, her own light, her hope for a solution is going out, right? Mm-hmm. So yes, she is slipping on that spectrum from hope deeper into that opposite, the, the you know, that of uh, despair, right? And right. because she is closest to us, we are with her in those feelings. So we may be a little less in the dark about what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. Because we, we, we sat down and we're watching this movie called The Exorcist and you know, we know <laughs> about, you know, Captain Howdy and, and all that, but we are still in the dark about how or when or if we're going to find a solution. Right. I want to, I was going to, you know, we did a little mini talk when we introduced uh, like our composers, right? Mm-hmm. A little mini talk when we, when we talked about um, Dick Smith, the makeup person. Yes. I was thinking that we were going to save um, introducing Owen Roisman, the cinematographer, who was a uh-huh. big deal, who just, he just passed away um, oh. for the most famous shot for the movie, which is this mm-hmm. incredibly difficult um, a piece of lighting and camera work that he's done there, but just, right. to, just to point out there that this is this is an incredibly important cinematographer, Owen Reisman, mm. who was also the cinematographer for um, for Friedkin's The French Connection, which is a very right. different type of visual strategy, um, and then also later on Cindy Lumet's Network. So yeah, we'll talk yes. about him when we get a little more time to just focus on a shot that really is just like look at this badass lighting job I am doing yes. everybody but but yeah just just pay attention to that this is really really top tier stuff yeah so Owen Roisman that's his name Owen Roisman Owen Roisman okay Owen Roisman yes so so he is he is responsible for all this folks and yes we are he is going to have his episode um uh, in the future um and I can't wait for that mm-hmm. um so yeah like like we were talking about we got Chris in in the foreground and she's uh, in silhouette and then by contrast, mm-hmm. all the way deep into the shot, way back by the window, we have Dr. Tanny, and he is bathed in the light of that window. We got mm-hmm. we got lights coming from windows again. <laughs> like, what's going on here, right? Um, and, and we actually got a, a couple things going on um, with his image here. Firstly, like – I don't know if it's it's the same in other transfers of the film, but my uh, Amazon one has him like only half in the frame. Oh, so yeah. It's, mm-hmm. So it's like he's cut in half, right? Right. Is that is it? What is it? Bifurcated? What's that? The, oh, I said or is bisected. Or is that by the way? Bisected maybe. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so, so he's not even fully in the shot, right? Right. Secondly, he's out of focus. Which is funny because he's the one with the glasses. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah. Also also, um, Third, he and Chris are both hugging themselves. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which, like, I just had this thought. We have an emotionally fraught scene and we have two characters who could be holding each other Mm -hmm. for support 
but are, are like as far away from each other as possible on their own little islands, right? Completely isolated, right? right. And there, there we go. There's, there's another evil theme, right? So we got isolation and despair in one shot, right? But also they're hugging themselves or holding themselves for different reasons, right? Chris is holding herself because uh, she's like emotionally distraught. She's in despair, right? Perhaps she's also um, trying to hold herself together, right? So she doesn't fall apart or perhaps even, uh, you know, explode again, right? Right. So on the one hand, we have her perhaps hugging herself for warmth and comfort, but then we also got this image of like, a broken piece of pottery that's trying to hold all the pieces together, right? <laughs> um, but then we we also got like something explosive that's trying to keep it all in. I like that metaphor, the pottery. I mean, maybe maybe you're thinking about that because what we have on the left side of Chris's frame is a really fragile looking vase and then oh, a yeah. sliver of mirror. So yeah, that's very mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, there you go, right? Um, and that versus- Of all the things that could have already been destroyed in this movie, in this nice fancy right? house with all of this, right? All this very fragile stuff. Mm-hmm. That vase is- that vase is, is completely safe right now. Right. <laughs> right. Um, versus, okay, so Dr. Tanny, mm-hmm. way over on on his little island, right? His mm-hmm. teeny tiny Tanny island. <laughs> right? He's holding himself for very different reasons, right? Perhaps mm-hmm. where Chris is trying to keep her feelings in, he's maybe trying to keep feelings out. Yeah, again, this is my 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 flirting stance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dr. Tanny's stance of me. <laughs> Holding, crossing my arms like this. Yes, this is how so, I flirt. So, do you uh, do you like stuff? Because I don't care. All right, exactly. But I mean, you know what? Though, like, I think you know, Doctor Tanny and those 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 beautiful blue eyes. I think, I think. <laughs> oh, that's what I need. That's what I need to get. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, me me flirting at a party usually is like, man, I I hate parties. <laughs> like that's my that's my pickup line, right? Oh, I hate find- I hate music and I hate drinking and I hate dancing and I mm-hmm. hate crowds of people what about you (laughs) (laughs) me too oh they never say that they just move on like i like i must have been talking to the person behind them (laughs) (laughs) there's just a line of people it's all right next Uh, okay so yeah um so yeah, so I think he's trying to keep feelings out, right? Like right. as 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 much as as we maybe saw some empathy in those eyes, right? In, in like in just that last shot, that's where we saw those eyes, right? We're seeing him now maybe shielding himself mm-hmm. specifically from Chris's influence, right? Right. I think he doesn't want her emotions messing with his I don't know, like clinical or professional diagnoses like and that could be seen as cold and unfeeling but also maybe as a way to keep being the best doctor he can be for her right um you could read it either way and and then you can also read the arms folding as being stubborn and you know not willing to listen to chris right like he's he's the doctor he's the man he knows best right Mm -hmm. um like or again like this could be like he's he's trying to um maintain his uh uh uh, objectivity, I guess, I guess, right? His objectivity, his 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 inner temperature or whatever. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. You can't if you're if you are a therapist who is really empathetic and feels everything that your that your patients you, you'd be useless to them, right? Right. You don't want to do that, right? Right. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh God, won't somebody help me? It's like I know. Right. <laughs> like, won't that somebody more... I'm trying to help you, lady. <laughs> what about me? <laughs> in my little pad in my chair. <laughs> That couch looks really comfortable. <laughs> you, you know, this is like a, an actor. Even I mean, I guess in both of our, our careers, acting and um, and teaching, or even writing, right? Mm-hmm. Like we need to have some sort of empathy, but there has to be a line. If we were yeah. if we were really feeling with the characters that we wrote, we're feeling, then we would not be able to function enough to write stories. It would be a long series of very very bad days. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> but the same with teaching, right? Yeah, you couldn't if you were so empathizing with one student over all the other ones that would mm-hmm. that would make you not an effective teacher anymore. Like like all yeah, we're constantly doing that. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah. So like the the what could seem to be selfish from like an outsider's perspective is 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 more like self preservation, so you can keep doing the job that you're doing and keep being the best uh, person for other, uh, you know, for the people in your care. Right. right? Yeah. Now, Keenan, before we move from this shot, I actually wanted to ask you something because you're here with me, Mm -hmm. because I have you trapped (laughs) in here, in here with me. Oh um, no. (laughs) I couldn't pass up this opportunity, right? Like I'm wondering if we could appreciate this scene more if we saw it's opposite mm. maybe maybe not the exact opposite let's just like experiment with like the light for now right mm-hmm. but what if we had this exact shot but chris was fully lit still in focus but fully lit and dr tanny and where he is and and it, like is all in shadow mm-hmm. when and why would we use that lighting and what would it convey Every, everything else is the same same position of the characters and all that yeah, same performance, same. Yeah, great. That's really interesting. I love these thought experiments. I've start, I've taken to doing this more with my students. Like, let's mm. make the bad version of this, right? Right. To right. see what's good about this good version. Mm. So I suppose that we'd be really, really focusing on on Chris's emotional state, what she's experiencing. Mm. Um, perhaps that would not work as well because then we wouldn't be thinking about Reagan as much and what we're going to do with Reagan, right? Ah, okay. So like Dr. Tanny's question about like, we should do this for Reagan, we wouldn't necessarily be contemplating that as much we'd be more on like chris's state in the present as opposed to the future right um we might also we might also if we so we're losing dr tanny completely we might Mm -hmm. see him as someone that we're not going to listen to right like he's completely Mm -hmm. completely in dark and shadow and out of focus then well we're not even really even thinking about him we're thinking about you know chris taking control and and the next thing that we see is going to be her um her actions and and the repercussions of that as opposed to dr tanny's actions Right. So we're wondering, it's like, oh, what she, how is she taking all this in? What's she going to do next? Right. And then, because we're about to cut to mm-hmm. another scene. And so it might imply like, okay, this cut that we're going to is because of something that she has decided. Where That's right. not what happened. The cut that we're going to get to is something that he has decided, Dr. Tanny. Yes. Oh, interesting. Oh, I really like that. Thank you, Keenan. Um, yeah. And, and so that just reaffirms that this shot that we mm-hmm. got in the movie is the right shot for the scene, right? Right. It is, it is calculated. It is 100% intentional. Nothing is not thought of or considered. I love that. Simply by looking at the opposite, we can see how well this works. That's the uh, dialectical we're talking about, right? Yeah, that's Soviet film theory, baby. <laughs> right. We look at the opposite of it. Yeah. The um, I think we've said it before, but just to, to reiterate here, like David uh, Fincher says, you know, when you're starting out, you think that there's a thousand or a million different ways you could shoot a scene mm. and he says i don't think so you know he's a professional he's much more advanced than than you or me right and he's, right. he's david fincher <laughs> but he says i don't think it, i don't think there really are thousands of infinite options of how to do this scene there's really only two and one of them is wrong right, right? Mm. So. <laughs> i like that and then okay so to add to that right like we didn't even mention right this is a moving shot mm-hmm. We are moving in closer to Chris, albeit like very like subtly, right? Right. Um, so Dr. Tanny, who's only half in the shot to begin with, is slipping out of the shot until he's completely gone. And I sort of like how like it starts with him. He had just turned his head to Dr. Klein. Mm-hmm. And then as the camera is moving away from him and the right edge of the screen is sort of like eating him up, mm-hmm. he he turns his head back to Chris, almost like he's drowning and he's trying to stay afloat, <laughs> right? Like, But then he gets swallowed up by the 
the void and we're only with Chris. Right. Right. Um, and it's this quiet moment. Perhaps uh, Chris is doing some reflecting of her own, but that is interrupted rather rudely <laughs> by another J cut. Is right. It? Absolutely. Yay. The cut is the up and down line, and then the sound is coming from the right on the timeline. That's a J cut. Right. So the sound As comes first. To an L cut, right. Yes. Right. Awesome. Oh my gosh. I'm I'm trying to. We're think. doing it, Lester. We are. We're doing it. <laughs> You're playing with us, Peter. Oh, oh God. What's that? That sounds I don't terrible. Know, that's, that's from Hook. I, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like out of context, you're less disgusted. Yeah. <laughs> but when I say it's from Hook and then you're like, oh, I, I don't really like Hook. It's I, I have this problem. <laughs> so I, I'm going to admit that I'm wrong about Hook because all of my friends love Hook. So I, Good. I, I'm just completely wrong. So you like Hook, obviously. Yes. Yes. I, I like Peter Pan. A lot of Peter mm-hmm. Pan. Um, there's something that was wrong with me as a child, Lester, <laughs> where like those 80s and 90s um, fantasy movies that all of people my age, you included, loved. Mm-hmm. Mm. I was just too old of a soul or something to them. So I, I never took to them. And I always thought they were just disgusting. So, you know, all those movies. So, again, I'm saying I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. all those movies from my childhood that, that everyone loves. So, um, Labyrinth. Gross, mm. gross. Um, the Dark Crystal, um, the Never Ending Story. Uh, uh-huh. I'm, I'm including the Goonies in that, even though there's no magic. I was going to say Goonies. Goonies right oh there, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, Willow, um, mm-hmm. Legend, uh, just all of those. I just, I'm just so grossed out by the whole thing. I'm like, these are just dirty looking, gross movies full of gross little characters, and it's always like them. They come up and like it's, it's like, hey, I'm, I'm a new gross character for this scene. <laughs> They're like, I don't want you. I have enough gross characters in my party, <laughs> let alone you is an npc gross character coming in there's so much foam rubber <laughs> in this frame i do, we don't have room and obviously i like a muppet right yeah but yeah. most of the muppets i like are clean <laughs> <laughs> even oscar the grouch looks cleaner than is these. cleaner than than yeah. hoggle oh yeah. what the hell is that hoggle is from labyrinth <laughs> what, what, which what you would know if you loved it like everybody else <laughs> what disgusting fucking little guy is hoggle from he's labyrinth? the main fucking disgusting little guy <laughs> what what do you mean yes that's the that's the one that's that's uh, voiced i think by brian henson yeah wait is he the giant ugly dog thing or no he... <laughs> he's <laughs> he's okay. the little ugly man thing the little ugly what in in labyrinth yes <laughs> Labyrinth. Are you confusing Labyrinth with something else? Hoggle. Let me look him up. Ew. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like this guy. So this says Hoggle is the deuteragonist of the film, which I I hate that term, by the way. The what? Oh, the deuteragonist. So like it's like protagonist, antagonist, right? That makes sense. Right. Deuteragonist is this stupid made up thing that just like the second lead, but they don't. They're not the protagonist because they're not oh, the one that actually. Yeah, Sarah is the protagonist, right? So okay. I, I hate that term. I don't. I don't remember this guy, <laughs> but he's a, he's the second lead. In, he's in like the, the other main. He's like the main. All puppet. right. Well, I have I have um, wiped him from my memory until this so like, day. Like the 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 collective memory, if we're if we're doing like bar graphs of, of characters that you remember, is uh is David Bowie or right. Jennifer Connelly. Well, like depending on who you are, like you're gonna remember David Bowie. Yeah, Jennifer I remember. Connelly. I remember Jennifer Connelly and David Bowie, and I remember the baby, the babe. I think I think I think David Bowie's bulge is is like a separate character. Also, I like you're probably I, you gonna know, remember. As I was a kid, I didn't I didn't notice that. I was too. And I, that was I the haven't... first thing I noticed. As soon as he walked on screen, I was like, "What the fuck am I watching?" But there's there's a couple of dogs in Labyrinth that I remember. Mm-hmm. Like there's a dog and there's a puppet dog. 
right? Wait, yeah. yeah, yeah how yeah, do yeah. you re- how do you remember those? I remember those because I think that they're not, you know those aren't nightmare fuel. Um, And then recently, where I've been confessing this more to people, you know, confessing why I I didn't have friends when I was a kid, (laughs) you know, they've been showing me things like you just did of of Labyrinth. I'm like, oh, like the um, there's like three Muppets that are like bird things and that they switch each other's faces and eyes and stuff. I think everybody hates those, though. That's really, really disgusting. (laughs) Yeah. I think those are the thing that everybody hates and the, like, which is weird because like, I really like them and um, sure, sure, sure. they're, they actually inspired like my first short story. So oh, like every cool. time, every time people like, uh, you know, like shit on those guys, I'm like, Oh, <laughs> again, I'm wrong. You know, people, people love these movies. I'm just completely yeah. disconnected from my generation as a whole for not liking any of this stuff. So, wow. so yeah, I'm completely in, in I was just, I just was, was just like an old child. <laughs> I was we, like, no, we thought this was the hook trap. <laughs> Oh, that's where we are. Right? It had it had it had a it had a trap door with the, with with the title hook on it, and we fell into what I'm guessing is like the Jim Henson trap. And again, I love I love Jim Henson, right? I love the the clean upstanding Muppets, <laughs> the, the ones who have Muppets. yeah, the ones who have jobs and pay their taxes. Wow. Okay, I might have to cut some of this out here. <laughs> no, no, I like I like those Muppets a lot, and I even like Jim Henson's early. Um, Pre Sesame Street, like his uh-huh. uh, pre Muppet, like his uh, experimental puppetry. Yes, I yes, love that no. stuff. No, but it, it's this other, this other thing. It's the it's the eighties um, nightmare fuel where yes. he started where where he started making Muppets out of like leather or or whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, why Rubber. did he end up doing that? Like, why is it so heavily? representational right so we see i got this hoggle guy off my screen because i didn't want to look at him <laughs> but like every like crease and crevice of him like why do we need that as opposed to like the old man from uh fraggle rock who has no features really right mm-hmm. he just a couple of shapes on top of each other and that's a right. much more pleasant looking person or like statler and waldorf or... oh yeah 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 great love them i could watch them all day yeah and right. then you know salacious crumb who I have, I have a salacious crumb sitting on my on my bookshelf. You know, mm-hmm. I could do with salacious crumb. So yeah. I don't know. It's something, something in between, some kind of valley in between <laughs> Statler and Walder and salacious crumb that becomes interesting. It's sort it's, of ah, uh, what's the word? Oh, I, 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 it's on the tip of my tongue. It's, it's. You know what? It's like it's uncanny how it's we uncanny, sometimes read each other's yeah, minds. We, we, we were on the same page. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Let's crawl out of this. I don't even know what the fuck trap this is. <laughs> This is this is the the um, uh, overly scary eighties <laughs> kids movies, yeah. Like not necessarily uh, I, um, um, limited to Jim Henson because Hook no. is in there. Man, Hook was the nineties. Where the, where I the know, f- but it's that's nineteen ninety one. I mean, you know, that's okay. That, I'd say yeah. that's part of the same thing. Call but yeah, Hook Hook was not for me. Just, it's just okay. not for me. All right, well, <laughs> we're out of there. Phew, we barely made it, and. Um, Yes, if you would like to complain to Lester about my tastes, please write to the exorcist at gmail.com. The folks, I love Hook. I love Labyrinth. I love all of those movies. Yeah. Because yeah. you're a normal um, person. I, well, I don't like them. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so we got the, we were talking, we were talking about J cuts. That's what this. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get a real nasty cut here. Yeah. So we get, we get, we get J cuts. Um, the sound, sound happens first and then we get the visual, right? And 
yeah, for like a split second, I was like, what is that noise, right? Because it's still happening when we're like in Chris McNeil's home. And then we see, no, we, we don't even see it. It like hovers into the frame mm-hmm. uh, in the next shot, this horrible screaming apparatus, right? Like again, like other people have commented that this looks like an instrument of torture. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The other instruments look like broken office supplies, right? That, that, <laughs> that were just like sort of like gathered around Reagan's head because they didn't know what else to do, right? right. But, but this but, one has a face yeah. and it's like staring at Reagan and it's like moving in unhuman ways around yes, her and like intimidating right? her. Yeah, it, like it has a purpose and that purpose is malevolent, right? right? And and it, even like you said, like it has a, a personality. Like mm-hmm. we could we could look at, at it as a torture device, like the doctors are interrogating Reagan, but also this machine looks like it's interrogating, right. right? Like it's the one doing the interrogation, right? Like, right. like in, in the next shot, we see Reagan on the bed and it's hovering above her and it, like, but it's like looking at her from mm-hmm. like all of these angles. It's like, it's like turning its head. It's trying to get like a good view. Like this is on the early end of the uncanny valley, right? It's not right. so human-like, but like it's just starting to seem to have a, a personality, right? Like, yeah. like what if we gave it more? of a face like 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 two eyes oh, instead of that one camera it's got mm-hmm. right like and a mouth just to go just to go with that scream and it's also got a mouth that it's just like ah! does the mouth open as it's screaming like, yeah. <laughs> god uh, we should we, we shouldn't have insulted jim henson we need him now um, yeah, yeah yeah put on some wrinkles can we add some yeah. wrinkles and just some <laughs> creases in the forehead <laughs> it's, it's just Hoggle's face. <laughs> oh God. I'm gonna try real hard to forget that little guy that you just reintroduced me to. Okay, okay. Um <laughs> But yeah, like like the way it is right now, it sort of reminds me of like GLaDOS from Portal. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. And, and folks like, yeah, GLaDOS, uh famous video game villain from Portal. Go go check that thing out. Okay, so now behind Reagan, those are windows they're they're like painted over with black maybe maybe so that like the outside light doesn't like come in and oh, interfere yeah. with the machine what's their deal right yeah but like unless you're looking directly at it you could mistake it for like nighttime almost mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right like that's what I, that's what i thought because i my eyes were focused on this crazy machine and reagan right like right. so like the peripheral was seen like oh it's night outside or something like that but it's not it's a those are painted over panels um of some sort um and then we have this very yellow wall. It's not quite yellow wallpaper, mm-hmm. but like I know where you're you going. Think, yeah, <laughs> do you think that's like a? Do you think they were maybe thinking like like? Uh, so uh, for our listeners, right? Yellow wallpaper is his famous short story. It's like this brilliant feminist piece by uh, American writer Charlotte Perkins Gilman, mm-hmm. um, first published 1862. Um, it's it's basically like this, you have this here woman 1892. is 1892. 1892. Yeah, isn't it? You said 62. No, I said 92. No, you said out loud 62. Are you gaslighting me and you're going <laughs> to lock me up? Maybe. Why would you, why would you think some... that? Why would you think that, Lester? Just and the now, fact now that you... you're thinking of that makes me worried about you. And now, now you got to tell me to calm down. And, and that's going to make me more angry. <laughs> this, is, this is why I can't talk to you, Lester. Because I'm calm and you just never are. Okay, okay, okay. The the correct date is 1892, which I have down in my notes and which is what I said. <laughs> but yes, um so but yeah, it's it's the story is basically like um this husband kind of like locks his wife up in in this room mm-hmm. um you know, to kind of like deal with her like like 
like nervous disorder. Like, like she, she's got this, uh, she doesn't have any condition. Like there's, right. there's nothing wrong with her. If anything, it's like a postpartum depression, which is very serious. Right. But, right. but like we, yeah, that's the debate that people have when they read this is, but how much does she have anything at all? Right. 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 Or is it just like this asshole husband who's like, just right. like forcing her into like, like just confining her to this room. And that's kind of like, that's the thing that kind of like plays on her mind throughout the, mm-hmm. um, throughout the story. Right. Right. And it's, it's this wonderful example of like a, a, an unreliable narrator, which mm-hmm. we've had, you know, like in this movie as well, where you start to question what the narrator, it's first person narrator, right? Mm-hmm. So the character is the narrator and you start to question like what is real and what is not because like it starts to get more and more fantastical and you start to wonder if she's like hallucinating mm-hmm. or, you know, but like all that to say yellow wallpaper, this, this wall is yellow right here. and and and. I can't help but but draw parallels to that story and to this one, right? Like we got these two female protagonists, mm-hmm. right? None of them are deuteragonist. What, what, what the heck was the other one? Deuteragonist. Deuteragonist. I don't like it. I, like, yeah, I, I refuse okay. to learn it. Yeah, we got we got two female protagonists being medically mishandled mm-hmm. and put through hell to the point where they're sort of doubting their own reality. Right. So we have Reagan who is slowly transforming or merging with this other personality. I don't I don't know if this this yellow wall was necessarily meant as a nod to that, but I I it made me think of it. Yeah, right? exactly, exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be meant for that necessarily because the filmmakers mm. have chosen this wall. It probably already existed there. This mm. is that same or potentially, I guess we don't really have an uh, explicit answer to it, but but this kind of like accent wall and these bright colors, uh, we've seen that at Dr. Klein's hospital previously, right. mostly blue. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Um, this uh, this color is just so gross. So again, I'm like complaining yes. about every all my aesthetical issues. Um, but it's like, yeah, it's like the um, it's like the color of Hoggle's fingers, his little <laughs> <laughs> grippy fingers that come out to you under your your seat in the theater and, and stroke your leg to tell you to calm down. Right. That's the color that these are. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so like the yellow wallpaper idea. Uh, when you read the yellow wallpaper, I'm always sort of wondering, like, like is it is did someone choose yellow wallpaper or is it like you know we're up in this cabin sort of in a rural place or a house in the middle of, of nowhere right and it's um the wallpaper was yellow but the sun has turned it i'm sorry the wallpaper was like white but the, the sun has turned it yellow you know oh because like this sickly sort of color right like that's the right. idea of it it's it's gross right so um, was it yeah like you're saying you're saying like was it was it like bought and and applied and and sold as like yellow right like colored wallpaper or or is it like discoloration right but something about it has turned it sickly and gross either time or or even the the narrator's um uh you know her sense of perception right has turned it sickly this here is probably a pretty freshly painted 1970s wall yeah <laughs> but like yeah. how could it not turn you crazy looking at this disgusting color of yellow just just nasty yeah (laughs) and i do like uh to that point keenan i think on the one hand yellow is just kind of like a a gross color like the right shade of yellow is nice you know canary big bird yellow okay sure (laughs) right right right. but yeah back to to jim henson again yeah (laughs) yeah but this is not Right. Yeah. Um, I do also remember reading somewhere, like if we're talking about colors and their meanings in fiction, that that yellow has been associated with insanity. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So possibly, right? I wonder, I'd have to do some looking up about this, about the the old system of the humors, you know, how mm. how we um, we used to think in, in – I don't even remember when this was, but we used to think, uh, you know, hundreds, thousands of years ago, et cetera, that there were um, – that there were like – 
bile and black bile and, and phlegm, um, phlegm and, and melancholy or, or yeah. all these different um, liquids inside of us that controlled our not only our mental states but our um, and our emotions but our, our health right yeah 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 I wonder I wonder if then the yellow bile was was associated with madness I'm not sure I have to look that up. oh that could be yeah um but you know even evolutionarily right uh, there's it's a, one of these hard to test ideas but like where our aesthetics come from where mm-hmm. we tend to think of um, blue and green as being pleasant colors to be around right, right? Yes. so mm-hmm. um, we're we're sort of evolutionarily designed like let's pick a house and what are the most what are the most expensive more uh, desirable houses well they mm-hmm. are high up which mm-hmm. is you know evolutionarily potentially because of safety we can look around and and observe what's coming towards us right so right. houses on a hill um, houses you know with a view and then also houses with a view of say the water and and, uh, yeah. greenery, et cetera. And mm-hmm, yellow mm-hmm. is the color that we associate with, uh, you know, desolation or, yeah. um, you know, the, the lack of, uh, plant life, right. Things spoiling. Right. And, uh-huh, yeah. and like, even, yeah, like, like you were talking about, like, like, uh, anything that is white and pure, um, is eventually going to discolor and become this kind of like brownish yellow, your teeth, your teeth, right. right? Your, That's what your, I was thinking, right? your bones, mm-hmm. right. Like when you, when you're dead and rotted away, right. They're going to, they're going to get yellow and, and crumble into dust. Right. Right. Yeah. Remember everybody, you're teeth are just bones that you get dirty mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just stop bones. it <laughs> right what are you doing <laughs> <sighs> okay and okay so so one more thing before we crawl out of this now we're now we're in the yellow wallpaper no no the yellow wallpaper is itself a tra- oh, we are in the yellow God, wallpaper all around we're, me we're everywhere I look. crazy lady in the yeah no one to talk to but this baby who's the source of all of this <laughs> oh god but yeah is it like like okay so um even less intentional, but still kind of neat, right? Uh-huh. Check out this sentence, which appeared in the preview on Google as I was researching yellow wallpaper. Oh. This is this is like the preview before you click on the link, right? And it's just like a quote from the story, the yellow wallpaper. It says, up and down and sideways they crawl, those absurd unblinking eyes. <sighs> and yeah, we certainly have an absurd unblinking eye here. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps we could even link it to the absurdly reflective eyes of Dr. Tanny. Um, again, this is probably just me. It's, it's you know, but it's just like fun to play with imagery, right? Right. And like you were saying, Keenan, there, there seems to be quite a lot of <laughs> focus uh, on, on the way that characters look at one another, right? Like we mentioned with like the way people looked at Father Marin mm-hmm. in Iraq, right? Like w- the way that the homeless man looks at Father Karras, right? We got Captain Howdy looking, looking hungrily at you with his walleyes. Uh, we got the reflective gaze of Dr. Tanny. We got Mary Karras breaking you into pieces as she looks into your heart. Mm. And then now we got this machine looking into Reagan's brain and we haven't even experienced the most chilling, the most uncomfortable look into your soul, right? That's, oh, that's coming yeah. up, right? Like all that to say there's a whole lot of looking. <laughs> a whole lot of looking going on. Mm-hmm. Well, um, can we talk about some more – you know, film theory 101. Sure. If you wouldn't mind. Uh, yeah. The idea. So your, your basic idea here is right. That looking being looked at is, is violent or, or, you know, or uh, unsettling, right? Uncomfortable. Yeah. Uncomfortable right. at the very least. And sometimes it's like this, like intimidating thing to be looked yeah. at. Yeah. Right. Um, depending on the person, depending on the source. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, there, this would have been relatively recent to uh, the exorcist. This was in 1971. We had a British okay. um, film theorist named Laura Mulvey. And mm. she was a Freudian film critic or a neo-Freudian film critic. Um, uh-huh. And so she was she was looking at analyzing film with an eye towards psychoanalysis and, and what's going on psychologically. And then, mm-hmm. you know, subtextual, um, subtextual psychology, you know, like yeah. Freud, but uh, more backed in science, right? Because Freud mm-hmm. had been, you know, um, 
scientists got rid of Freud and when we took him in in literary studies, we're like, yeah, we'll take him because science doesn't have any use for him. So anyways, she writes a piece called um, Narrative uh, – wait, wait, no, 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 no. She writes a piece called Visual Pleasure and Narrative Cinema. Oh. And this is a, a really interesting piece. It's sometimes hard for like film students to read because psychoanalytic film theory is, is very strange for them to read because you have to sort of you know go all the way back to what Freud was talking about. And right. she writes like as if you know what Freud had said already, right? She's, she's writing for mm. other academics. Um but she points out that um, that there's all these different ways of looking in a movie. There's uh, blah, 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 blah. there's three looks: the look of the camera as it's recording things. Uh-huh. There's the look of the audience as they see what is be- has been recorded, and there's the look of um, of the characters on each other. Right. Ah. So these three different looks, and she says that you know usually because the piece is called um, visual pleasure, that right. usually um, for the audience at the very least, uh, we can accept that like one of the things that's nice about movies is that we get to look at things, and there's something pleasurable about that i think she calls it socophilia something something like that socophilia i I think so but yeah the the pleasure of looking at something right Mm, um yeah and then she she posits which is i think completely borne out true that um that the people who invented the language of cinema were men that's very true Mm. and that they were supposing a male audience and Mm. that the vast even though that was wrong in in certain time periods like in america in the 30s and 40s um, and and 50s the the majority of the audience is women but but, Ah, you know she she makes that point very briefly but yeah most of the time you can sort of see that this is aimed at a male audience right most films right um and and that most films were about male characters as the heroes or protagonists etc right yeah so she says well so the 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 language of the cinema is patriarchal because it's designed by Uh men through male characters for male audiences Right. Interesting. And she says, so so it is supposing this uh, this looking, which uh, later people came along called the male gaze, which you might have heard. G- yes. Yeah, G-A-Z-E, uh-huh. the male gaze. So mm-hmm. so she didn't use those terms in this piece, but people that came along afterwards were like, okay, there's this is the male gaze. Movies have the male gaze. Right. And so what that supposes is that movies are designed to, um, you know, try to – take on this this visual pleasure by looking at things and because it's through the point of view of men that means that the the role of women in movies is to be looked at and to be therefore objects of your gaze um and so movie movie doesn't use those terms but then later people come along and say this is the objectification of women that that's what mm. movies do so the entire you know in this in this concept which is uh, no one has come up with a r- really strong counter argument to any of this stuff that Mulvey and the, and the Mulveyites have <laughs> have written about. But but the basic idea that like women are generally objects to be looked at. There, if you talk about like the plot of a movie, women are typically uh-huh. objects to be won. So we have like the man wins the big race, like he's a race right. car driver, like Doctor Klein. <laughs> right? yes. He's a race car driver, and because he wins the race car plot of the movie, he gets a girlfriend. Right. Which is which is so incredibly common. We don't even think of it as anything. Like, that's just so right. exactly what happens, right? Um, Rocky wins the yeah. – no, he doesn't win, but he, like, oh, he, yeah. he wins <laughs> – That's a little bit different. Rocky yeah. – <laughs> Rocky gets – He wins Adrian. his own battle. Right, right? exactly. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. That, yeah, in the misremembering of Rocky, <laughs> you, you did even, even though you love Rocky, right? Yeah, yeah Rocky yeah. wins the big fight. He gets Adrian. It's actually sort of opposite in that movie. But anyways, yeah, mm. we're, so, we're so used to that, right? You solve the mystery, you get a girlfriend. Right. right. You um you win the war, you go back and get a girlfriend. Um so not only are women in movies um like objects to be won as a victory for solving the A plot, it also means that they have to be, because the nature of visual cinema, they have to be prettier than the male that we are uh, supposing is in the audience right mm-hmm. so we start selecting for beautiful women and average looking dudes and that would explain mm-hmm. why that happened which i think is objectively true <laughs> right mm-hmm. that to be a, a, a female actor means you have to be 
gorgeous and male actors can be uh, look more like the real world. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, that's the idea of gaze. So some people mm-hmm. would say that, yeah, the ideal of the male gaze or just shortening it to the gaze of the cinema is in of itself mm-hmm. violent or unsettling. To be, to be looked at is a um, is a form of sexual aggression or aggression on this this plane that it makes you incredibly uncomfortable. So wow. um, so like later later we had like um, really interesting scholarship about the nature of say a horror film like the slasher right. film which is obviously mm-hmm. sexual in nature if you're a Freudian yes. like it just is, it, it's not even a doubt <laughs> like right. like there's a reason we stab people in horror movies and we don't shoot them right we yes. don't uh, strangle them or uh, we, we stab them right it's Freudian and so Linda Williams talks about that about how um, that the slasher film or those types of movies like Halloween, they use the gaze and it makes men in the audience incredibly uncomfortable because mm. they are being objectified the way that women are used to being objectified. Oh. So to see like a Jason or a Freddy like stalk a dude in a dark hallway is to make them, is to feminize them. And that's really deeply unsettling. And then, you know, to castrate them with a knife or to penetrate them with the knife. And, and right. it makes it, oh, I don't even want to think about that. Very interesting. Oh, my gosh. I, I remember, I believe it was Ridley Scott talking about this with Alien. Oh. Uh, talking about how, like, he he purposely, um, he said, oh, I want to I wanna get it. Hang on, hang on. Okay. I want to get that quote. Hang on. Okay, there we go. And we're back. Um, so yeah, so uh, Dan O'Bannon actually said this uh, about the alien film, right? Mm-hmm. Like he said the, the sexual imagery was intentional, right? Um, and what he said about it, he said, I'm going to attack the men in the audience sexually. I'm right. going to put in every image I can think of to make them cross their legs, right? <laughs> uh, homosexual oral rape, mm-hmm. birth, right? The thing lays eggs down your throat, right? So he's he's uh, doing, I, I think, what you just mentioned, Keenan, right? Like he's he's taking all of those like actual, like real world nightmares that that women have to deal with, mm-hmm. like in in real life, right. in the real world, and he's putting it into a horror movie. But he's specifically focusing on the men and making them feel like just just a little bit of of like <laughs> what women have to feel all the time. Yeah. Whenever I sh- I teach Alien, you know, I'll show all of these, yeah, um, inversions of that's what the whole movie is: inversions of sexuality, inversions of birth, mm. inversions of rape, right? Um, mm. Inversions of sex, and and they they get that face hugger once it falls off of Kane. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And they have it in this little tray. And what they've done is they've taken like um, seafood, <laughs> they've yes. taken mollusks and scallops and right? stuff like, like that. oysters and stuff. Yeah, yeah. they made it there, and, I'm like, and I, you know, I showed it to the students. I'm like, this is a clitoris. You know, that's that's what this is that, you're, that they're poking mm-hmm. at, and they and they poke the clitoris of this alien thing, and it starts, you know, going, oh. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's horrifying. You know, it, it's just terrifying because you don't know. We're not accustomed to think of those things as strong, right, or or, um, mm-hmm. or even dangerous, right? Right. And they're exam- like, they, you know, they, yeah, they've got it under a microscope. They're mm-hmm. examining it as if they don't understand it. You know? like, <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Kane. Kane understood it. He's the science officer or whatever. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> he gets it. No, no. I forget Everybody what Kane does, but yeah. yeah. Oh, Ash is the science officer and Ash he doesn't understand sci- sex at all. And he's a fucking robot. Right, right, right. Uh, spoilers, guys. Sorry. <laughs> well, okay. Well, you spoiled that. So another spoiler. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, of course, um, if I remember correctly, Lambert is the last to die, right? Oh. Isn't that right? Mm. Um, or Parker? I, no, no, I no, Parker. Oh, I'll look it up here. Yeah. When you look at Alien, though, there's there's something really interesting there about the alien having trouble with Lambert, the Veronica Cartwright character, right, and right. and and she's the one the alien goes up to and like um 
like it's not quite it's not as stupid as this but kind of like caressing her <laughs> and being like mm. what are you right like i don't know are you my enemy or not right yeah. um and because oh. lambert is a, is a woman but um she has really you know short hair and it's, it's hard to tell necessarily um and then in aliens they um james cameron and the design team made uh lambert a trans character oh so that's like in the in you could i guess you could see barely um in in some of the files they go and they they look at all the the Nostromo crew and you could see that that Lambert was assigned male at birth, um you know so there's all this stuff that that's not in oh. the original film but like uh-huh. certainly in the original film it is a little bit like like hey I'm here to I'm here to kill all these dudes right and like what are you Lambert I'm not sure what to make of you wow so I didn't even I didn't even I because like when you started talking and I was like wait Lambert's not in the second one right but then you're you're talking about looking at her like like files right yeah they de- they debrief Ripley about what happened under the Nostromo and they have like character bio this is way in the background like you have to be really looking right. for this kind of thing um and, wow. and it says like lambert lambert um she has a birth name that's like male or something like that where they where they say that yeah interesting yeah and then and then also in aliens we got um oh i'm, I'm forgetting this actress's name um but she oh jeanette uh, she goldstein plays, uh, yes jeanette goldstein don't pretend you don't know Vasquez. jeanette goldstein I, lester well, <laughs> you know the pressure's on when you're doing a podcast and you know it's like Oh no! You know Jeanette Goldstein. I know. I know Jeanette Goldstein. No, no. Um, you, I'm, I'm, I'm outing you, I suppose. But you had a you had a little crush on, on her. A little bit. Of, well, you know what? Like, I, actually, like, um, I think Sigourney Weaver is uh, is is uh, the top of my list. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, but like, okay. But just all all that to say, right? Like, all of these, all of these, all of the 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 female characters, mm-hmm. um, or or like female presenting characters right. in in that series mm-hmm. are not what you would typically have in uh in a in a horror movie right right, right exactly yeah mm-hmm. very interesting yeah, completely wow. but anyways that's the gaze the g-a-z-e the male gaze and um again so the filmmakers of the exorcist wouldn't necessarily have been thinking about the male gaze because laura mm. moldy's ideas were were pretty much coming out and being published as Blatty was publishing the book the exorcist so right. but mulvey is pointing out this tendency in film that existed well before that from the beginning that that the camera looks at you and you're objectified and it tends to look at women you know, and t- yes. tends to have these shots of of looking. Uh, you know, how many shots have you seen of a, uh, in a movie of a woman being introduced? We start at her ankles, and we we have the camera yes. go all the way up her legs into her body and to see her face. And right. how many times do we do that with the dude? No, like yeah, like I can't even think of a single time. Right. No. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Wow. And I mean, like speaking of like like you know, uh, 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 looking at a character as if they were like, I don't know, like a specimen or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Right. So we got, we got this, we got right. this weird mechanical eye thing, just like, um, uh, looking at Reagan as if, as if she, she is like, like some kind of like specimen mm-hmm. laid out on, on, on this table. Yeah. Right? He's going, so, yeah, that's, oh, geez. <laughs> like very mechanically, right? right? Like that's just the noise that the machine makes. <laughs> <laughs> I can see why they uh, they they went with the newer model. Right. It's, uh, it's very uncomfortable. Awuga, awuga, awuga. God, um, but yeah, okay. So we cut, we cut from there to a close up of Reagan, and she is secured on yes, what I can now see is not a bed, mm. but it's some sort of slab yeah. in in an even more uncomfortable and undignified manner than in that previous hospital scene, right? Like like this thing. This thing holding her head mm-hmm. in place could could not look more medieval if they tried, right? It's literally just a vice right. squeezing the sides of her head, right? Like you're right, Keenan. This this really wasn't a time when we would like dress up medical devices to look like anything other than like what they were, right? Um, 
like like we hadn't quite gotten the memo yet that like people don't like being treated like specimens <laughs> or or captives, mm-hmm. right? There's no dignity. There's no hint at all that this device is for a human being, right? And then on top of that, this is this is really adding insult to injury or I guess injury to insult, uh-huh. right? It looks so painful. But then also I have no idea what's hurting her. Keenan, like what's actually happening here? Do we know like this this isn't like before, like she she doesn't have stuff like stabbing her in the neck, mm-hmm. right? Like there don't appear to be any needles, at least from what we can see. But she's clearly in pain, so much so that she's sweating. Yeah, right? That's like gotta she's be... been doing it forever. Like she's been yeah. in this process for a while, right? At first, I thought like maybe those were tears, mm-hmm. but like no, because it's like it's on her forehead. Her her hair is wet, mm-hmm. right? And again, like her face doesn't tell me she's been crying. Rather, it tells me that she's been like holding back, right? Trying to put on this brave face like before, right? But then this machine is like testing her limits. Like, but how, like, but how, right? Like, that's what I don't understand. And I, I, I also thought like maybe because it's so loud. Yeah. I, I remember when I was like little and I was watching this movie and I was thinking like those clamps on either side of her head were actually like speakers. Oh and they're just my like God. blasting noise <laughs> for some reason. Like what, what medical reason would you be like, like, we're going to break this girl's eardrums? I don't know. Oh but God. It, I know. mean, <laughs> I mean, is it worse that it it looks at this clamp as like that's what's holding her to this table? She's also strapped by the arms or something, right? But it feels right, like yeah. like she's she like it looks like she's being held by the head, and that's what's keeping her there, right? Because it is it is a vice, right? What else is this? Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah, yeah. it's a clamp, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <sighs> okay, so uh, I actually jumped back onto Google and I tried to find what the hell we are looking at here. And would you believe it, the only place I could find where they differentiate between this procedure and the previous one was YouTube. Mm-hmm. Someone someone named Linda Blair Fan. L- Linda Blair is one word and then fan is another oh, word. Cool. Up, yeah, uploaded this specific clip and titled it, The Exorcist-Reagan Has Another Test. And actually, it was in the comments where people were saying the previous scene was a... Okay. The previous scene was a pneumoencephalogram. That's the one with the needles and sucking that. Yes. Okay, great. Right. And this scene is a pentopic encephalogram with a polytome. Of course, Mm -hmm. a polytome. Duh. (laughs) Um, But okay. Okay. And this is where my descent into madness and obsession begins, folks. When I I made this goddamn podcast, this cunting podcast, (laughs) I promised myself that I would do my best to get the facts, and this was the loose piece of rock that crumbled under my feet and sent me tumbling down into the medical trap. (laughs) And at the last moment, I grabbed your leg, and now you're coming down with me. Oh. Um. (laughs) <laughs> okay so uh, so then, you you feel compelled to even answer all of these questions I, about what this I 1970s medical equipment is yes <laughs> because right. because keenan in my sleep right in the deepness of my sleep i'm just i'm just hearing like you know one star these idiots can't even tell the difference between a pneumoencephalogram and a pentopic encephalogram using a polytome they call themselves exorcist fans what a bunch of losers what a bunch of posers unsubscribe well jokes on you because i have plumbed the depths of this medical trap i have I have drained my own brain fluid <laughs> and I have filled it with helium to elevate myself to a higher consciousness in order to learn this stuff. And all it cost me was a few brain cells, some some precious uh, childhood memories which have been overwritten. And that, but that's fine, okay? That's fine. All in the name of science. No, what am I what am I saying? All in the name of this goddamn show <laughs> where we examine, excavate, no, extrapolate right. comes first. I forgot <laughs> the intro to the fucking show. I hope you're happy. Right. Yeah, I hope you're happy. Uh, you know, the joke's on you, people at home who hate us. We already hate ourselves.
<laughs> you have no power here. <laughs> you... <laughs> Wait, you you knew what you were doing when you did that, right? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Is it an exorcist oh, thing? No. Oh. <laughs> Kenan, oh, you're going to love this so much. What? It's a labyrinth No. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, what is it? What's the girl Sarah says it in labyrinth? Yes, it's what she says at the end. It's what she says at the end. <laughs> oh, I never get to the I probably watched that movie. Once all the way through, <laughs> at least when I've seen it over and over and over again. Yeah, you said it exactly the way that she says. It. <laughs> so what? She, so wait, how does Jareth? So she's just saying it to Bowie, I suppose, right? How do you know his name is Jareth? Jareth. Oh, he's the Goblin King, and he, yes, uh, uh, and he he's something with the babe. <laughs> Oh yeah. the, the, um, he, he leans over the to the voodoo. baby and he says, "He says that'll do, pig. That'll do." <laughs> no, he's the voodoo that you do. <laughs> yes, um, which I just saw that that it, I saw the movie that that comes from originally, which is um, oh. uh, the Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer, which is a really strange oh. movie where Cary Grant, um, Shirley Temple's a teenager. <laughs> Shirley Temple's a teenager, and she falls in love with Cary Grant, and her her older sister is a judge and she's like the only way we're going to get this out of her system where she like loves this grown man is to make oh. you go on dates with my kid sister <laughs> oh, and then she's going to learn that like there's nothing here between the two of you and so that's what wow. that movie is the bachelor and the bobby soxer but yeah they say that's where that um the voodoo that you do the voodoo that you do the hoodoo that you do right 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 the story about the babe what babe the, right something like the that babe with the power babe yeah. with the power the what power yeah exactly yeah, that comes from that um oscar-winning screenplay <laughs> from the, oh, the bachelor and bobby soxer yeah Oh my god! We're no way out. We're not talking about labyrinth. Um, <laughs> no, but tell me what's the context of this? So this is the end. This oh, no, no, is how no. she beats Jareth. Yeah, she says she actually. Okay, so so the line is actually a little bit different. She's like, <laughs> um, she's like, you have no power over me. <laughs> and you said, you said, I believe you said, you have no power here. Right, right. <laughs> but like she says, that she said it in this like like she's just realizing right. it just then, <laughs> which is what you did. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, all that stuff is in there somewhere. You know, uh-huh. it's very deep. That's that's the yep. that's the imagery I'm trying to forget from my childhood yeah. that scarred me. You should have just said you did it on purpose. I did um, it on purpose. There you go. I'll I'll edit all the other stuff. Out. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> all right. So okay. So so basically, okay. We're back to the the the, the pneumoencephalogram in, in versus the, exorcist. the in the exorcist. We're, <laughs> okay, we're in the we're exorcist. exorcist. God, people are gonna be. <laughs> this 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 is is the episode. No, this is what we do. If they don't like this, though, there's other this shows. Is, this is the voodoo that we do. <laughs> there's other shows about things where they talk about what they're assigned and nothing else. And... This reminds me of a movie. What movie? <laughs> the, the movie about the babe. What babe? <laughs> the, the babe with the power. Yeah, there we go. All right, I'm without, without, no, no, I'm getting, I'm getting out. Um, okay, so we're talking about we're talking about the Exorcist. We're talking about <laughs> we're talking about these two. Medical procedures, the one the one that we already saw, which is already horrific, mm-hmm. and then this one where it seems like she's – it almost seems like she's in more pain, but we see less. Right. Right? Um, so, okay. So, basically, from what I have gathered, these two scenes, these two medical procedures are almost the same uh-huh. with a couple differences. So, really quickly, let's recap on the vocab because I think the confusion comes from a lot of those words meaning the same thing. Okay. So <clears> – <throat> 
arteriogram, <laughs> is what Blatty calls it in the documentary, Raising Hell. If you haven't checked that documentary out, check it out, Raising Hell, right? And he is referring to the first operation we see with with uh, Dr. Brown gloves mm-hmm. um, and the random you know office machinery that, that Reagan is and, – and Reagan being stabbed in the neck with needles, right? That's an arteriogram. An arteriogram is also called an angiogram. That I've heard of. Okay. And also – carotid angiography, right? Something Now, this is something I didn't know until the very end of my research. So I had lots of fun Googling arteriogram versus <laughs> angiography versus uh, like a pneumoencephalogram, like, like trying to figure out the difference between these things only to find out that most of them are the same thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, and then, and then you have, okay, so then this next thing, pneumoencephalogram, mm-hmm. right? Again, same thing. Wikipedia says that this is the thing where the um, uh, cerebrospinal fluid is drained and replaced with helium. Okay. So we're back. We're back to that first operation, right? And then, pantopic encephalogram. So this is where the confusion was, right? The previous scene was a pneumoencephalogram. This scene features a pentopic encephalogram. Now, you might be asking, what is pentopic? If you're still here, you might be asking that. (laughs) Well, it's the trade name in the U.S. for the chemical dye they use instead of helium. Gotcha. All right. So unless I'm wrong, and I very well could be... The difference between these two procedures is that instead of replacing uh, Reagan's insides with helium, Mm -hmm. they have replaced it with a dye, which I guess makes her brain show up even better in the photos. That certainly sounds less fun. I'd rather have helium. If I can't get birthday balloon helium in my brain, I guess I'd rather like glitter or something. What about about food coloring, right? Like. Cause then, cause then, what if she gets to pick the color? She's like, "I want blue. I want, I want purple. purple." Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like not that yellow color. Oh, right there, gross! Ew. No, but like no. funfetti. Fun. <laughs> I was so bummed to find. Do you, do you know what funfetti is? Funfetti is like no. my favorite. Have you never seen funfetti? No. Oh, I don't even know what that is. It's a type of cake that I I thought was my favorite cake. It's just angel mm-hmm. cake or white cake, vanilla cake, and it has these little uh-huh. bits in them. These little sugary bits that are wonderful. Okay. And, and as a grown up, I found out that the little sugary bits are just sprinkles that they put into the batter. Great. I was so disappointed. Awesome. <laughs> and it was like this Pillsbury like trademark fun fetty. I was like, oh, this is oh. more fun. But they're just jimmies, you know. See, that's what they should have done. They should instead of instead of calling it um what's the word? Uh instead of calling it pentopic, uh-huh. they should have called it um fun topic. <laughs> Right. Then she wouldn't be crying like this. Exactly, right? You know, Dr. Dr. Tanny, Dr. Klein is like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna, you know, uh, drain your, your cerebrospinal fluid and we're gonna fill it with fun topic. You're going to have a wonderful time in the Reagan. <laughs> we're gonna dye your brain. So we can see it better. You're gonna be up up on the up on the X-ray, uh, you know, backlit thing. You're gonna you're gonna be dyed up there. Oh god. Oh, Okay, so <laughs> so yeah, so that's what that's what the the pantopic is, right? The pantopic isn't even the name of the chemical. Oh. It's like the it's it's the American trade like like uh, name for okay. it. But it's it's a dye that um that that shows up better on the on the camera, right? And the polytome is the Glados machine, mm-hmm. and tomography is what the Glados machine is doing, right? And that like predates CAT scans and MRIs. Oh wow, okay. 
So that's, so that's all that. So the reason she looks like she's in pain is because all of the stuff previously happened again. Oh, God. We, yeah. just, we just didn't see it, except now instead of helium, it's dye. And instead of reclining and having an overhead projector come up to her, she has to be put like at a, at a like 45 degree angle right. for this machine, this uh, pent polytome. Yeah. Yeah, this polytome. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. So yeah, let's get the hell out of this medical <laughs> trap. <laughs> He did a lot of research. Yeah. I can now close 17 tabs on my, on my computer. <laughs> Keenan, I feel like I should have a medical degree now. <laughs> I know as much as Dr. Klein and Dr. Tanny, or at least definitely more than Dr. Phil. Um, <laughs> right. by, by the way, Keenan, mm-hmm. I went back and I watched his um, interview with Shelley Duvall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What a fucking asshole. Yeah, I did not. I did not realize like how exploitive that interview was until I saw it. he was literally just using her condition for ratings. Yeah. Like what? A, what a parasite! Yeah, she's not in a place to be giving an interview, and he should. No, he should know no. that. And that's again, like he is a doctor, but I believe of social work. I, he's not a medical doctor, which means he doesn't have an obligation to treat people. You know. As a patient. Like people. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, you know, he, he doesn't have to like, hey, I shouldn't do this. It's bad for her. Like, he doesn't have an obligation legally. So oh, now, now I want him to undergo a pentopic <laughs> encephalogram. With the polytome. With, with multiple polytomes. <laughs> with, with poly polytomes. Oh, God. So I don't, they had to build a special room for that for two of those GLaDOS things yeah. going around. Oh, right. Uh, so they don't bang into each oh, other. Right? right. Not for the, yeah, not for the safety of the uh, humans, but for the safety of the other GLaDOS. Right, right. Yeah. And then they're gonna, and then they're gonna like you know be in the um in the break room together sipping coffee, <laughs> right? right? Spilling tea on all all the other poly polytones, you know. <laughs> it's like did you did you see John? He wasn't he wasn't like moving and weaving like he used to, you know. <laughs> right. Oh, I gotta tell Cheryl about that. He's holding us all back. <laughs> yeah. Getting in. You know the they way. say it's the weakest link. And <laughs> he's got a lot of squeaky wheels in him. I mean, I'm just saying. Well, day. another day, another. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, I'll finish that. <laughs> uh, another, another tortured little girl. <laughs> right. You know what they say? Yep, I do. <laughs> <sighs> okay. But yeah, okay, back to okay, back to this minute, back to this movie. <laughs> this minute, we didn't go far. We were still talking about the polytomes. Right. Um, now watch; these aren't even called polytomes. Oh just, god! The, the, the whole the whole fucking thing I, I made around these things, and it's the wrong. But thing. that's our Pixar um, movie version of them. Is the polytomes, and then the trailer is: What if polytomes came to life? <laughs> <laughs> oh no! And, and that would be because, like, all of them are, are you know, like one word. It would just be Polly, <laughs> and that would be his name. Right? You've never seen the world until you've seen it through the one mechanical blue eye of Polly. <laughs> there's a sequel to Wally. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot. You know what? You don't know. There's a lot more out there beyond those 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 tinted black windows. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go find out what it is. Polly, it's not safe out there. We we've never seen that world. How are you gonna? How are you gonna? How are you gonna f- see? How are you gonna? How are you gonna? Th- how are you gonna feel with this? <laughs> with what? With what? What are you? <laughs> oh, I, I I thought I had hands for a second. Sorry. I'm pointing to where where my heart would be. But you're not. <laughs> um, but by the end, by by the end of the movie, I'll have a heart. Just just you wait, and I'll be there. And Randy Newman will play us in. We'll be able to go. <laughs> he had a heart. Had a heart. After all. <laughs> <laughs> Polytone, pentopic, encephalogram. 
<laughs> There's no rules that say a polytone can't play basketball. <laughs> All right. Okay. We get we get two we get too silly in the medical ones because it's so awful what's happened yes. to this twelve year old girl. It's terrible. It's this, is, terrible. this is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, this is why like like this is this is just to keep us like doing this again. I wonder how silly we're going to get like when, you know, like the possession stuff I happens. Don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like but like it's 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 with it's it's with the mom stuff like like you know Karis's mom and and the medical stuff. That's when we that's when we start making st- we we just like like uh devolve into these like <laughs> giggling idiots. <sighs> All right. All right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so we're back, back in this minute. Mm-hmm. We cut from Reagan to a bunch of X-rays on a on a on a backlit board. I'm not. I'm not going to look up what that's called. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a light board. It, oh, there you go. It's awesome. Be. Thank you, Keenan. It's a light board. Um, and we hear Dr. Klein before we see him. Um, he says, Dr. Tanny says the X-rays are negative. We then cut to Dr. Klein as he finishes by saying, in other words, normal. Mm-hmm. And we see now that we are in a darkened room. Klein is looking spiffy in his gray pinstripe suit mm-hmm. with some splashes of red. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, right, time has passed, right? Like we don't know how much, right? Is this right after the procedure? It can't be, right? Um, is this a couple of days? Like he's dressed as if they're they're just meeting to discuss the x-rays, right? Hmm, that's interesting, um, right? So I was listening to Andy Nelson and Pete Wright on the Avengers Minute, and and they right. have this whole like, there's a wiki there's a wiki page where they could say this is the date when Iron Man does this, and this is the date when the Hulk does this because someone has oh, figured wow. all that out, you know? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So someone has figured that out in the Marvel uh, Marvel company, and they figure this out here. Yeah. So we don't have that. So like, okay, let's imagine that Chris and Doc, Chris had Doctor Tanny and Doctor Klein to her house. When mm-hmm. is the when is this procedure at the very least the next day? And then when do we get the results at the very least the next day? So this right. is at least two days later, but probably a little bit more, right? Probably a little bit more, like given with like, like how long does it take for the, the x-rays to develop right. and, and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so so probably got a call from uh, Dr. Klein saying the x-rays have arrived. Right. So then she gets dressed in what she's wearing. He gets dressed in what he's wearing. And now they're in this in this like super dark room, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's the same room that we have been with Dr. This is Dr. Klein's office with the big desk, right? No. What? Oh, that's what I had assumed. This is his this is his office? Yeah, we have yes. Now now I'm sure because we have shots of his um his Gabriel Macht uh paintings and we have uh, pictures of his photographs. Um uh, with his cars and we have, we see the little oh red speedster car on the desk. Yeah. This is, that's the same weird office giant conference room thing. And you're sure he doesn't just like take that speedster car with him wherever he goes. <laughs> well, he doesn't, he has the nurse bring it in. <laughs> He's like, nurse. Yeah. He just points on the little intercom. Like, nurse, I have a meeting with the, <laughs> Mrs. McNeil at three 30. Uh, be sure to bring the x-rays and my uh, speedster car, please. Right. No, 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 no. He doesn't even say the speedster car but she knows <laughs> because she's worked with it she's like and the speedster car and he's like yes please yes, be sure to bring the labs for reagan mcneil and the speedster car that's yes yes, yes of course <laughs> right? Yes, yes, yes. right oh god our poor our favorite nurse right? <laughs> right yeah okay okay so i'm gonna trust you yeah this is this, this is, is yeah, the, yeah, and I'm, yeah. I'm i'm seeing it now yeah it looks it's it's the same okay all right <laughs> Okay, so we're in the same room, but it's like, yeah, it's dark, which is just weird. Like, I know we're looking at the x-rays, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's 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 so 
like like I I didn't even think of it as the same room. There's a lot of we are we are introduced to rooms mm-hmm. and we become familiar with them and we become familiar with their like um dimensions right. and then we get surprised. Absolutely, right. With just with a like a little bit of lighting or a little bit of um you know like angling from the cameras and we're suddenly it feels like we're in other places. That's a right? really I'm glad you put that that way. Yeah, we keep we keep surprising ourselves with that, right? As we're watching the movie uh, uh, beat by bit, minute by minute. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, obviously, like, I think the biggest example is going to be like when we get into uh, Reagan's bedroom, which we have already seen like many times now, but it's going to, it's going to look, even in my mind, Mm -hmm. like the colors look different, right? Like once she's possessed and everything. Right. Okay. So we then get a shot of the back of Chris's head. She's wearing a scarf, but at first I didn't realize that's what I was looking Mm -hmm. at. Like, I, I don't know what I thought I was looking at, but like it. It took me maybe like a couple milliseconds to realize, oh, this is the back of Chris's head and she's wearing a scarf, right? Like, did you have the same thought? Um, not – I, I know what you're saying because I can totally understand that. But I think that we were talking about like the the parody of Chris McNeil or the um, exaggerating right. one. I do always associate her with this with this scarf look, <laughs> you know, with the sunglasses, et cetera. So – but I totally know this is this is the first time I guess we've established that look for her. Yes. Yeah. So this is like I'm, – I'm kind of like like remembering it as I go. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're right. This is this is her first – if she was an action figure, this would be like <laughs> – Yeah. This would – they would have to make a whole new action figure for this Chris McNeil. Yeah, she's going through her scarf phase in this middle part of the movie for sure, right? right. Yeah. You got the – you got the Sleeping Beauty um, dinner party right. uh, action figure, and then you got and then you got this one with the scarf, and the huge glasses, and the huge sunglasses, and the huge right? glasses. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, it, it it looks here like she's collecting herself mm-hmm. before turning around, right? Um, and then she does turn around, and we see the anguish on mm-hmm. her face, like all of the all of those tests, all of that stuff they put Reagan through that sh- that she put Reagan through, she's probably thinking, um, all of it was for nothing. Right. And we then cut back to Klein and it looks like he's working up the courage to say something. Mm-hmm. This is, this is probably something that he's been thinking about asking, mm-hmm. but, but now he's like, got to muster up the courage here to ask it. Right. He, a- he asks if Chris keeps any drugs in the house, right? Like big star, Chris McNeil, dinner with the president, mm-hmm. lots of parties, maybe, you know, some drugs in Absolutely. there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but Chris immediately says, no, of course not, right? Klein presses. He's he's like, are you sure? Mm-hmm. And Chris says, of course, she would tell him. And, and we know Chris well enough by now to know that that's true. Again, she's a mom before she's anything else. Um, she doesn't even smoke grass, meaning marijuana, obviously. Right. I think that's so interesting. That's one of the first things they would probably ask today. So again, I don't know if this is... How much of this is traumatized? How much of this is the way things were in the 1970s, right? Is this right. history or is this fiction? But today, that's one of the things they ask you all the time, just going into a doctor for any reason. They ask you, um, are, have you been on any kind of drugs and what have you? And they, they've they made it, I think, pretty clear in the culture that you're allowed and even, you know, um, it's recommended you tell your doctor, if, even if you're on some illicit legal drug and that's protected. Right. You want to know that. Um yeah, and they'd ask, I think even, you know, a girl her age, they might ask, are you sexually active? And I'm sure that that's like mm-hmm. a, a terrible thing, you know, for the parents to to deal with a terrible thought. But yeah, they right. also know. And then just like, again, like like one more, like it's a necessary thing for, for like the medical attention that she needs. But it's like, it's one more like removal from right. humanity. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm like an animal. Like I have to be, I have to be thought of in this way. Right. Like there's another, um, 1971, uh, piece of literature that I would want to talk about, which is this book called don't ask Alice. Did you read that? I've heard that title. I've not, I've not read Great it. Great title. Best thing about the book <laughs> is the title. Oh wait, no. Is that the, I, I know why I've heard that oh. title now, not because of the book, but it's like, isn't that a song? Yeah. Or yeah, something? yeah. The book is, yeah. Same thing. The book is named after the song, right? 
Right, or okay. um, wait, is that the name of the song? <laughs> Hold on. It's at like like at the very very bottom. <laughs> it's Alice in Wonderland, right? Yes, 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 yes. And then and then the song and then the oh book, no no the song right? is called White Rabbit. I, I was I was trying to look it up, but I was oh, like, oh Jesus. my god! Okay. But no, but that's the chorus, right? Go ask Alice. when she's 10 feet tall right yeah so the the book um it it, i read it when i was a kid and i think a lot of people read it in high school or or are told Mm -hmm. to read in high school and it it pretends to be um a diary of a young girl who gets hooked on drugs and then gets into um sex and like um survival sex work and all sorts of terrible things happen Mm -hmm. to her and by the end of it she dies and it's supposed to be like her her diary that you're reading you know and at first she's all hopeful and everything and she gets on marijuana i'm sure that that's Mm -hmm. what the first thing is and it becomes a gateway drug and everything Um, it's a very powerful book so as much as i'm like making fun of it now but i i resent um i resented reading it in high school and then realizing about three-fourths of the way in that this was fiction uh you, you just it, oh. it's because it's in that epistle form like a uh, dracula right? right and then you're like but in dracula you know it's fiction <laughs> hopefully yes. but like wait what <laughs> you know these aren't really the letters that jonathan harker wrote except yeah um but yeah so this one pretends well, then where are the letters that jonathan harker wrote <laughs> keenan if you're so smart i don't have them yeah, yeah exactly so like he <laughs> writes dracula and then they collect the letters from dracula or something right, <laughs> Anyways, right, right. um yeah so like this this book it like pretends to be a, a, a real document so um it's like we found this journal from this girl it's 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 anonymously published etc and then about three-fourths of the way so like, there's no way this girl is writing this stuff and we're supposed to like believe that she's on drug but is still able to like form these cogent ideas about herself right know? and so i was like ah oh, wait a minute i've been duped <laughs> you know i've been got really pissed off by this book but it's it's still very strong but then you know it, it it the trouble with it is that it is um going so far in the direction of like the dare program that we were raised on right mm, it's like right, right, one right. one once um you know puff of pot is going to ruin your life uh, right and it right. lies to you like dare lies to you and says like there's going to be these creepy dudes and they're going to come to you with drugs and and they're going to force mm. it on you which isn't how kids are offered drugs at all they're offered by friends of theirs who genuinely right. love them so mm-hmm. so then you just don't listen to anything the dare officer says you don't listen to anything go ask alice has or anything like that right mm-hmm. um but anyways i was thinking about that in context because that would have been about the time that Blighty was writing this and so there's probably a big sea change in the way that we talk to kids about drugs and even mm-hmm. like the idea of like oh it's not out of bounds for a 12 year old girl to have smoked marijuana or to pop to pill or even to take acid or something like that huh but we're just sort of at the beginning of that interesting wow so chris assures Klein that no, there are no drugs in the house. She doesn't even she doesn't even use marijuana. Mm-hmm. And then after this, she sinks out of frame. She's she's sitting down, and we we cut mid sit to again just this beautifully crafted shot mm-hmm. here. Like we got we got the X rays all the way in the back, right? Very bright and pale blue, and and we have only one more light source here. This little mm-hmm. tiny desk lamp um, off in the corner. Wait, you see right? what that desk lamp is illuminating, or what it's there for? Oh wait, no. What is, what it, <laughs> hang on. <gasps> it's Dr. Klein's little race car. <laughs> there's, there's only one reason for that lamp to exist, which is to make sure there's a light on that Speedster model 24 hours a day. <laughs> Even when they, they need to make the room dark to look at the x-rays, right? Right. Because that's important. That's why we're here. But that light right. is eternal over that little car. <laughs> This is a this is the Miss McNeil. This is this is Speedy. He's afraid of the dark. So, aren't you Speedy? Exactly. God, I didn't like like Linus with his blanket. This 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 doctor with his little toy car. Yeah, he, he matches his tie and pocket scarf. <gasps> oh my God, it does. 
I sleep in a race car. <laughs> I sleep in a big bed with my wife. Exactly. Oh my God. Wow. I, I, I didn't even see that. Okay. Okay. So, so we got the desk lamp, right? And we got Dr. Klein in his suit. He's also very well lit, right? Bright red colors mm-hmm. popping. Um, and then in the foreground, closest to us, Chris is in silhouette, right? In this despairing pose once again, right? In the dark, once again, alone, right? Like that shot of Dr. Tanny, right? Exactly, right? Uh, Klein asks her if she is planning to return home soon and then – he has to explain, he, he says, to L.A., I mean. This is mm-hmm. the second time someone talks about home and then has to, like, clarify, right? It happened with Father Marin all the way back in Iraq, uh-huh. right? Yes. In, in mm-hmm. the book, at least, right, with, with the Arab cra- curator, our, our Jesuit dean, right? Um, <laughs> and he, right? He says, you know, it's like, uh, you, you know, you're going home to the States, I mean, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it happens again here. I don't, I don't know if they're related. I don't know what else home could mean for Chris other than the Washington house. For Marin, I think, like, it's supposed to mean, like, heaven or something, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, this is probably, it's probably unrelated. I don't know what else, like, home could mean other than, like, Chris has two houses. Right. But we're going to learn in the next minute again that that might not be the case, that she does not have anywhere to go except to stay in Washington right now. Right. Yeah. So, but like that's for, that's for next minute. Um, So in this one, right, she begins to answer. She says, um, but that's where we got to break off. We'll hear more about Chris and her plans in the next minute. But for now, that is all I have in my notes. Uh, Keenan, uh, do you have anything else? Not about this movie, just about Hook or oh, the, yes. uh, well, the yeah. never-ending story. Right, right, right. <laughs> all right, take us away, Lester. All right, all right. Keenan, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I think I am, Lester. Folks, until next time, the, the power, power of Hoggle compels you. Are you going to the Are you going to the holiday party that Rachel is putting on? Oh, you know, I hate parties. <laughs> oh, tell me more. Like, I hate the dancing. I hate the talking to people. Well, this is this is really attractive stuff you're you're, you're spitting out I hate right now. Snacks. <laughs> oh my god! Like how have we never how have we never known this about each other? <laughs> now that you take off your your glasses, your glasses with the one lens because we only have one right. eye. You know, Ching. I can. See, this 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 baby blue <laughs> camera right here. It's like it's stunning. <laughs> anyway, I don't know why we're holding coffee cups. We don't we don't we don't have hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>